Pints and Pies podcast is the perfect wrestling podcast. There's a guy named Hal and there's Danielle and this guy Mike Eagle is there as well. Tights and Pies podcast. Tights and Episode 193, maybe 194, we're not sure that's what's happening. Welcome to Tights and Fights, the show that discusses wrestling with the sincerity and hilarity that it deserves. And here's to the greatest, the greatest love you've ever known, Hal Lublin. And I'm joined today by my fellow members of the Nation of Conversation. Get up, come on, get down with the sickness. I'm not going to do it. I can't. (laughs) You have to. All right. Get up, come Give on, me get a down wah. with the sickness. Wah. Danielle Radford. Hello. There we go. <laughs> well, that's what I needed. And hey, all you cool Kelks and kittens out there. It's Lindsay Kelk. I will not stand for this anti-Carol Baskin propaganda. You know that, but thank you. <laughs> Appreciated it. She probably did it. And our special guest, <laughs> he is one it. of AEW's newest signees and one of the biggest names across the wrestling and podcast worlds. It's Colt Boom Boom through Zoom Zoom Cabana. Oh, you've been sitting on that one, huh? <laughs> Julian's so proud. We can't see him. He's he's uh he's taking his video off, so we can't see his. Leo, keep it on. This is for this is for Colt's patrons as well. I want I want to see that face shaking when you let. See, there it is. There we can go. I, can I say that as as someone who started independent wrestling in 1999, that song was basically one out of every four wrestlers' entrance music. The get down with the sickness. Was it really? Yes, yes. is a high percentage. Did every person who had that music think like, oh, this, no, I finally, I got it. This is going to be it. They felt it. Puddle of mud. Is that puddle of mud? Is it? Maybe. I don't know. That was a big <laughs> one. I'm just sure. going through the, I'm going through the names of people that were, that were big uh, entrance music havers. And I think they were like number one. And distort soul distortion. Oh man! Is that a thing? Also, that was disturbed. Was uh, was who disturbed? wrote that? That's another one. So. There you go. Literally anyone yeah. that my roommates listened to in the last year of college, they were just. Who knew oh. that they were so ahead of the wrestling curve, man? That's right. <sighs> <laughs> anyway, welcome back, Colt. Thank you. Hello, 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 Danielle. Yes, I know who you are, and I remember you. <laughs> <laughs> So, I'm glad that we cover that every time that we're in the same area yeah. together. You have to soothe me by letting me know that you do know who I am. I'm well aware. Sweet of you. First of all, how are you doing right now? What's tell like? How's it been for you? The last me? Few weeks? Yeah. Well, so my wrestling schedule is pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Before this, I was you know I was on the road like 200 days a year, but when I came home. I mean, I just sat on the couch and tried to do absolutely nothing. And then I would only go out because society was like, Colt, you should probably go out and socialize. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) So this is very okay with me. And I, I, this is what I've been training to do, you know, and as someone who's been on the road for 200 days a year and, and is almost in his forties now, my body hurts a lot from wrestling. So this, what a wonderful just nice relaxation from throwing my body around the ring and hurting myself. Um, so this is almost the vacation I, I never wanted, but never knew I needed. <laughs> so you're thriving, first of all. Thank that's you. great. You're living your that's, best life. That's the Colt Cabana positivity that, uh, <laughs> that only me and DDP can bring to the wrestling world. That's right. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I like your smile better. I'm just going to say it. Thank He's you. not here. Forget him. Forget you, DDP. Did you see he was on CNN the other day with Anderson Cooper? He goes, oh, I'm 64 years old. And I was blown away. I thought he was like 75. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't matter how much yoga you've done. Like, it's still a hard life. Do you know what I mean? There's only so much yoga can do. It is just stretching. Let's be real. Come on. (laughs) He's making his calendars do yoga, too, so that they get younger. Anyway, happy 190th birthday, DDP. Uh, how has AEW been so, outside of all this, how has AEW been so far? Can you walk us through sort of your process of getting involved there and what, what led to your decision? It's funny because I was never under a contract with Ring of Honor, but I had a handshake deal with them. And it got to the point where I just, they had me on commentary and I was just like, you know, I, I have good wrestling years left. And then you see Chris Jericho wrestling at 50 years old and he's great. And it's just like, what am I doing being a commentator? And there's a lot of things that I was just unhappy with at Ring of Honor. So I just made the decision that I, I told kind of management that I was, you know, I'm leaving. I just, you know, and they were like, OK. And they tried to get me back and they tried to sign me to a contract. And and then I, I, I kind of put out to New Japan and AEW saying like, hey, you know, like, here's the deal. I'm officially leaving, so I'm going to be doing these New Japan tours as much as I can. But I kind of said to my friends, the, the the Young Bucks, like, you know, I, I've i always wanted to be with you guys. And there were some political reasons why I kind of wasn't there in the very beginning. And those kind of um, spread away. And so there was an opening. And they were like, this is perfect timing. And crazier perfect timing. I signed a contract and then every independent wrestling show ever that start went away and um for the first time in my career i have a little security and i almost chose the correct time and in saying that AEW basically it was built upon all my friends kind of wanting a promotion the way they wanted it and so there's so much positivity and love and just fun behind it and that's kind of the message with AEW and in the locker room and between the wrestlers uh, as opposed to a lot of other places that we've wrestled probably specifically one place that we've wrestled um yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know so it's kind of cool that that's kind of the basis around aw and so of course that's something i definitely wanted to be a part of and now am a part of if you had the the ability to do independent bookings right now is there a balance that you have to strike when you have a contract with aw does that mean you cannot take dates or you can take dates is there no i i could take all the dates that i want wow uh and so, yeah, this is kind of crazy because I had a crazy schedule before of wrestling Friday, Saturday, Sunday, essentially. And now I'm I'm flying out Tuesday, wrestling Wednesday, flying home Thursday. And now I have to ask myself, do I want to take that schedule? And the hustler in me is like, of course you do. But it's probably not the smartest decision. And as I was taking all the bookings, I was trying to only take the real good ones, but there's so many good independent shows. And so I wanted to take all of them. So maybe this is the big break I needed. And then once we kind of get back to it, I can go back to six days a week on the road. Yeah. How hard is it to turn that off? Because it's, but you've been doing this for, for 21 years and it's, you get in that, that mode of work, 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 right? Right. When I got fired from WWE in 2009, I was very unsure of my career. And then I started doing the podcast in 2010 and my, my, my everything started to pick up and I was like you got to take advantage of it eventually this run will end of this podcast being popular and my my own popularity so take advantage and just get as as many bookings as you can and make as much money as you can while it lasts we all know that these runs don't really go that long and if you look back at the history of wrestling some of like your favorite wrestlers like you know I don't know like DDP for example you know he probably got hot in 96 
And then, you know, WCW closed in 2000. So he really only had like a four-year run, and that's a long one. So um, I know this has become the DDP appreciation podcast. <laughs> we will not have a word said against him. Obviously. Yeah, we don't mind it. Yeah, the okay. man is 230 years old, please. Yes. <laughs> Show some respect, everyone involved. Sorry. So I've always been the mindset of like, listen, this will all end at some time. Take, do as much as you can. And so that's still my mindset. But we're, you know, past two, at 2010, we're 10 years later. And it hasn't slowed down, and I don't plan on slowing down, so it's kind of a weird thing for me. But my plan is just take as much as you can and, and kind of, you know, like this all goes towards my retirement when I'm not able to wrestle at 65. But maybe I'm wrestling at 65. We saw that Mike Jackson clip on, on Impact, right? I just, you've done so much. Like, you do so much. There's the wrestling, the commentating, the podcast. You have your show at the Fringe every year, um, which obviously has been canceled this year, which is really sad we'd love to, to hear about what your plans were for that if you have plans but like is there anything you haven't done yet I feel like while everyone's trapped at home like this a lot of people are having a lot of creative ideas some of them are terrible some of them are really good <laughs> has anything come to you recently that you're like I, I have to do this now this is the next thing well not now but you know and, and this is where my world and maximum fun kind of comes together is the idea of kind of the comedy world and wrestling so yeah. i you know i do comedy in wrestling i would like to do wrestling in comedy uh, i've had friends who are pretty high up you know i have a buddy i don't want to say anything because but i had a buddy who had like an hbo special and we were working on stuff and we were trying to pitch this show and we had a couple you know good pitches and a couple you know feet in the door to have like a real like a like kind of like a sitcom and some other stuff and so that's <laughs> kind of something i would love to mix the worlds of, I can tell you one idea if you guys want to hear something Definitely. that I pitched that, yeah. yeah. I kind of made a pilot for it, but I didn't like it, so I wanted to do it again, where the show was called I Hate You Colt Cabana, and I would take a stand-up comic to a, like, a, like a wrestling show in Memphis or Arkansas where nobody knows you know who they are, um, and then <laughs> I would have them be my opponent's manager, and they would come out, and essentially they would do stand-up comedy in the like a five minute promo, like roasting everybody doing stand up, but under the guise of being a wrestling manager, uh, and then the whole match they're doing like bits, and then at the end I win, and then they always like end it with I hate you, Cole Cabana. So essentially, you're doing a set as a wrestling manager to non comedy fans. I love and it. I think it would be great. And I just I just needed the I need the right platform or whatever. I don't know. That's my one. So I have many d ideas like that, but it's not like I could do anything with that right now. We're all <laughs> sitting in a house. Yeah. Well, I, there's, all these wrestling shows are getting made now, right? So the, the Heels is getting made. And now I saw this week The Rock is, has a green light on a show, a wrestling show. Uh, the Heels? The Rock? Uh, you know, Heels is a show that is happening on, yeah. is it on Stars? I want to say? Stephen Amell? Yeah, it's on Stars. It's on Stars. And now this week they announced is HBO are making a Rock. Uh, it's a Ray oh. produced uh, comedy also. So now apparently is the time for the wrestling show. Oh, well, if you know anybody. I, I don't, but uh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I live in LA. I'll just go outside and presumably we'll be able to get you signed. That's how it works, right? That's what everyone yeah, I, told me when I well, moved here. <laughs> I know Jesse Thorne has some nice camera equipment now. So there we go. <laughs> We'll yeah, do right. it. We'll shoot it. It'll be great. There you go. <laughs> We're definitely all equipped and talented enough to do that. It's going to become Bowfinger, where we're just being trained for some reason to, to work a bunch of film equipment. No problem. I can do it. 
obviously both AEW and WWE have moved forward with shows in like the most creative way they possibly can, and that involves not having an audience. You've worked in, under these conditions. What is it like wrestling a televised show with intentionally no audience? Is that any different yeah. than starting out? You have to understand, I have wrestled everywhere on the independents, including right. less people than are in this empty <laughs> arena. So th- this is absolutely nothing new for me. It's very comforting, actually. Really, uh, I don't have I don't have to worry. Like my Jewish insecurity doesn't have to worry about the crowd hating me. Yeah, you know. So <laughs> I I get to just go out and do my match and don't have to worry like if they're gonna boo a spot because it's too comedy centric. You know, <laughs> is that something that that everybody seems to share? Of like the we've all because I, I assume most people have have done a show like you know if you've done comedy you've done a show where. The, the people on stage outnumber the people in the audience. So, but to, it, I can't imagine doing that intentionally because it's, they're kind of similar in that you do feed off the audience to a certain extent, but yeah, presenting I, on television I, still works. Because it's so, every, there's like no one there and it's such a ghost crew, it's really hard to think about that it's actually going out to like a million people. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, that's kind of was my sentiment. I, I was so relaxed and, and I did commentary one of the, one of the days. And there just feel there just felt like no pressure, which was so nice. But I do think some of the younger wrestlers are wrestling like they're pretending like there's a thousand people in the crowd. And I do think it kind of comes off a little weird. Mm-hmm. Whereas I remember I wrestled Brandon Cutler on Dark, and and there was a gift that kind of was starting to go around a little bit where I was pretending to get the re- the fans clapping, and then I realized that there were no fans, and then I had like the sad face. Um, which is, of course, me observing my surroundings and kind of making fun of the wrestling tropes, which I've been doing for a, a long time now. But I think a lot of people, a lot of the younger wrestlers maybe aren't as comfortable with the idea of just kind of understanding where you are and and, and wrestling in the moment as opposed to being like, I'm a TV wrestler, look at the hard cam, you know, make a big face and all the, the kind of unwritten rules of TV wrestling. No, it must be a really hard time to be like a super strong heel or a super strong baby face, right? Because they're the people that play the most to the crowd. They're the people that their entire character and their persona exists because of a reaction. Right, and I am assuming you're just saying I being the superest, strongest baby yes, face. Yes, yes. Just... That's what I'm saying. I'm like, the work you're doing is astounding given right, given you. the lack of interaction that you're getting. The self-confidence that we're seeing coming through the screen mm. is just quite And beautiful. we all know... Oh, they would all be on their feet, just just going crazy and chanting Colt. And so, yeah, it is how I look at it. Yes. I think it would be like the scene from Mother where they would just demand that you be given the belt instead of, you know, uh, eating a baby. But apart from that, I imagine okay. it would be exactly the same. I don't know that reference, but I will talk about my own mother who has called Tony <laughs> Khan and demanded I get the belt. So I kind of understand what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, that's the okay. most Jewish thing. I love it. Yes. That is the most Jewish mother thing to do. Tony Colt has been wrestling a long time. I tell my friends that he's good and he doesn't have a belt. They always go, does he have a belt? <laughs> he's such a good boy. Don't you let, and look at the punum. Look at his punum. <laughs> Don't you just want to squeeze it and put a belt around it? Um, and put him his penis? What is that? Yeah, put him his penis. <laughs> okay. Would you please squeeze my son's penis? <laughs> this is Colt's mom. <laughs> Learning with Hal Lublin. Uh, thank you, Hal. Hey, it's out there. This is just our culture. Please. Lear- learning Yiddish with hell. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Every word means penis. That's it. That's it. We're just saying, if you watch uh, the, the show on Orthodox on Netflix, they're just saying penis over and over again for the entire film. 
That's what's been Thank so you. nice about this isolation time is I'm learning so much about other cultures. So great. <laughs> yeah, they all say, learn a new language. No one says, <laughs> no one suggests Yiddish, do they? Yeah, Duolingo no, is really <laughs> slacking off. Like, where is it? Come on. I have another question about the wrestling I've been watching without the crowds is that it's, it seems to me like a crowd can mask a lot or or sort of inflate something. Maybe the best example of that is Hogan Rock at WrestleMania, where if you watch it without sound, it's like, all right, this is a match I'm seeing. But then you add the crowd and it elevates everything. So I feel like I'm watching matches now where, oh, this is not as like this is, would be way better with a crowd. But then the really good matches, I forget like, it doesn't matter if there's an audience there or not, because the performers bring me into what's happening. Is that something you've observed as well, or am I insane? Yeah, you're watching wrestling wrong now. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> you should be putting it on mute and then uh -huh. having a YouTube soundtrack <laughs> playing behind you of crowd going wild. Oh, that's it. That's, that's how I'm watching it. I don't know how you're watching it. I'm doing it wrong. I, you're helping me. Yes. Oh, I feel like such a punum right now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I, the crowd is such a part of it, and especially for a wrestler like me who's very interactive. So it's it's very hard, and you do have to change it up a little bit until stuff kind of goes back. But we do have, you know, at AEW, they have some of the you know wrestlers around the ring. So when I was out there, Billy Gunn and his son are always out there just having fun, and so it's really fun to play off mm -hmm. of them, and they'll always give you something. So, you know, to a point, we do have somebody to play off of, and kind of they're telling us whether, you know, whether we're doing it right or wrong almost just specifically Billy Gunn and Austin Gunn. Yeah. <laughs> have there been any matches uh, that you have caught, AEW or otherwise, uh, in this recent time that you think has been particularly good, have been particularly effective? Yes. Colt Cabana versus Brandon Cutler. Mm -hmm. I heard that one was very good. I heard Thank that you. one was great, and people should probably go seek it out. Where could they seek that out if they were in the mind to do so? That's not on YouTube, AEW Dark. I picked Noted. up a 20-side dice, and I didn't know what it was. <laughs> i appreciate that he is bringing the nerd to all of these matches now um, yeah can you tell me like is that is that hitting with that demographic oh it certainly is um i was so the day that he and mjf got into it on twitter i literally had to text friends of mine and being like you got to stop commenting on this because you look like a dipshit. Like, this is wrestling. You have to stop. Because so many of my friends are like, are, you know, because I, I do tabletop RPG online and I have a lot of friends who are in it and friends who are way into it. And I was like, you guys have to understand that this is a bit and you look like idiots right now. Um, and then a bunch of them were like, you know, we're nerds. We can be hot, too. And we're like posting pictures of them being hot nerds. And it was like, oh, this is so embarrassing. I'm so embarrassed oh. for all of my friends right now. I love that you it knew it, that it was a total work. Of course it was. Like, come on. And it was like him and Matt, like, it was a great thing. And then, like, as soon as Matt Mercer came in and, like, all of these people, like, I was like, oh, yeah, this is like a thing. And I was like, this is beautiful. This is wonderful. And he's making all the nerds mad. And then, yeah, I saw people that I'm, like, close to getting in. And I had to be like, hey, you got to stop because <laughs> we're, we're all going to make fun of you. <laughs> I'm making fun of you. That's the closest we have to 80s wrestling in real heat is, like... Making fun of Dungeons and Dragons. No, it was it was amazing. It was literally a whole day of me just cringing at my friends taking it like very like, 
I'm hot and I play it and I'm like, no, you got, yep, uh huh, that's great. <laughs> but that's the goal, right? If you're if you're putting that yeah. out there, you want every single bad response because not, number one, it gets more eyeballs on the conversation you're having, and number two, it's that's the heat you can get online, right? Not only that, I you know, hopefully, the, the, right? The goal is is that there's so much heat, but then here comes Brandon Cutler, yep. who maybe didn't have th- that kind of fans before, and now. Because these uh, the RPG players hate the idea of MJF so much, they need a hero, and so now their hero is Brandon Cutler, and maybe they'll watch the match, mm-hmm. hoping that Brandon Cutler beats the hell out of MJF and sticks a you know a die up his um, <laughs> put him, yeah, and, uh, <laughs> and so that's kind of how you gain new fans almost. Yeah. yeah, no, it was it was great watching it happen in real time and just like spread over and then also spread through not just like the D&D community, but the larger nerd community, because people were like, hey, like, I don't play this, but don't make fun of my friends. <laughs> it was fantastic. Yeah, I feel that's almost like what's happening with the Insane Clown Posse right now. A lot of people are like, I don't listen to ICP, but hey, look, you know, they're great. Um, and also I'll you're be- talking about them. So Right, and they're they're responsible. The pandemic, they just canceled the gathering of the Juggalos. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. People yeah. are saying, yeah, people like, are like, hey. oh, yeah, Violent J and Shaggy Two Dope, they're really good guys. Like, you don't realize. It's always interesting that the discovery of anybody like that, where you go, oh, do I like this person? Maybe mm-hmm. I should check their stuff out. Like, that's all it takes. Or even di- like, it doesn't take much to get you digging on somebody, whether you like them or dislike them, because you're either like, I want to check out their stuff, or let's see what this person's all about. And that's it's a really great way, like really smart in that way. It seems like like wrestling for for a while now has been ahead of the curve on that and f- like figured out figured out the medium pretty quickly. I, it feels oh, like re- uh, wrestling's never been ahead of the curve. I don't know. What you're <laughs> <laughs> never. If you have any thoughts on what we've discussed with Colt so far, connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Discord via the links in our show notes. We'll be back to talk with we'll be back to talk more with Colt Cabana. That's coming up next on Tights and Fights. Video games. Video games. Video games. You like them? Maybe you wish you had more time for them. Maybe you want to know the best ones to play. Maybe you want to know what happens to Mario when he dies. <laughs> In that case, you should check out Triple Click. It's a brand new podcast about video games. A podcast about video games? But I don't have time for that. Sure you do. Once a week, Kickback as three video game experts give you everything from critical takes on the hottest new releases to scoops, interviews, and explanations about how video games work to fascinating and sometimes weird stories about the games we love. Triple Click is hosted by me, Kirk Hamilton. Me, Jason Shire. And me, Maddie Myers. You can find Triple Click wherever you get your podcasts and listen at MaximumFun.org. Bye! Welcome back to Tights and Fights. I'm Hal Lublin. I'm joined today by... Danielle Radford. And... Lindsay Kelp. And... Colt. Zoom, zoom, cabana. That's <laughs> right. I have a question for you that's non-wrestling. I know we're going to talk about wrestling stuff uh, as well. Just, you know, for Lindsay. But... <laughs> Thanks. Is, have, have you, like... It's, we're all sort of catching up on television shows and movies. Is there something you've watched that, that's been on your list or... 
something that's new that you discovered that you're enjoying? Like, what are you watching right now? Oh, I mean, the usual. I watch Tiger King. I watch Ozarks. I've seen a mm. lot of movies. Um, you know, something I have been doing is mm. a lot of the times I would watch um, or I would listen to How Did, How Did This Get Made, but mm-hmm. I would never seen the movies just because, I, I don't know, I didn't have time. So, like, if it was one I'd seen, it would be great because I knew the, the things about it. So now sure. I've been watching that movie and then listening to that podcast, which is nice. Makes it a lot better. Who'd have thought? What's your favorite <laughs> of those movies that you've that you've watched? Yeah. Uh, we, I just, I can't even remember. I just watched some space movie. It was, the, I think, the last episode they did. It, the purple, vi- the Valkyrie of something. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh no! no. I thought it was going to be right now. Yeah, I thought it was going to be was, Passengers, but it was like Valhorn and the and the alien crew. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it was atrocious, but it was nice to know that I could listen to it, knowing that Jason Manzukis would be in my ear afterwards to take me through it. So <laughs> there's a light at the end oh, of the tunnel the, every single time. The one with the oh, Valerian. Model in. Yes, Valerian. The one with the yeah, model. Yeah, the one with Cara Dera. Oh, the Caridale one with Rihanna. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And also, how did that get made? There you go. That's the question. <laughs> that is a great question. Luc Besson. Luc Besson. <laughs> Uh, to tie it up, you know, Paul Shear was uh, front row at All In. And I remember um, I was going out for the Battle Royal and it was this huge moment. There's 10,000 people going crazy. And then I look over, I go, oh, hey, Paul Shear, I'm a, I'm a big fan. And he's like, oh, I'm a big fan of yours. And so that was a nice little. <laughs> a nice guy. That's a nice little nice. meeting of the minds there. <laughs> That's awesome. How much wrestling are you watching right now? Do you watch like do you now that you're with AEW you're still sort of keeping an eye on what's going on sort of well, elsewhere? Se- secretly, I've, I don't tell anybody, but Never. Uh, I've had a, a gripe with WWE for a while. What? I don't really like <laughs> them. It's hard for me to watch. Huh. Um, and now, like even now, knowing about the Saudi Arabia stuff and knowing about that, he you know they just cut all my friends. It's even harder for me to watch. Uh, so I, you know, I do watch WrestleMania and I watch. Uh, Royal Rumble and those are the two I watch and then occasionally I, I like to watch Kevin Owens stuff because he's a good friend of mine mm-hmm. um, so uh, but it was weird watching Mania yeah. by myself right mm-hmm. yeah because usually it's just a big to do or you know usually we're at WrestleCon and it's just like it's this awesome weekend and like you know like Thursday through through Sunday morning has like summed up and I've made all this money and all my friends are there and we're just like it's the ultimate like relaxation of just sitting down with some friends and finally like relaxing from the weekend and watching Mania and making fun of all of it with my wrestling friends Um, (laughs) because it is like it's a total roast fest and it's Mm -hmm. just so fun and then like everyone's like even when like there's something great we're all like we can find something to make fun of this right (laughs) (laughs) um and so it's, it was a little hard to watch just by myself, uh, but I felt like ah, I probably should. It's WrestleMania. And and what did you think of it? Did you think it was too much for just one night, or do you think they probably could have put it in one night? <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think it. I don't. I didn't think it. I, I didn't think so. That was my first problem. That's good. That's good. No, that was the first thing you did right. I think is is what we know about that. I I took my rules of the UCB practice. Just don't think. Yep. Um. Is that it? Ooh, yeah. how are you feeling about the UCB closure? Oh, my my heart of never taking one class there and giving <laughs> thousands of dollars to somebody is totally broken. Um, <laughs> no, but as as a, as someone who was so inspired um, in two, kind of in 2008, I think, when somebody 
told me about Comedy Bang Bang or maybe 2009, the podcast, and then mm-hmm. listening to Doug Love's movies was very early for me and hearing it from the UCB theater, then hearing all these people on Comedy comedy Death Ray, I guess. Uh, and then when I'd go out and wrestle in LA in 2000, like early, 2010 or 2011, I would always go to the UCB after my shows because they had like midnight shows and stuff. And so I, you know, I guess from an outsider, uh, I guess it's a little sad, but just like wrestling, there's going to be something new that will pop up and something great. And I, this is a total, th- see, this is where I be, I sound like the comedy fan as a wrestling fan would sound to me. Hmm. Um, but, uh, it, it seemed like everyone kind of knew of, of UCB. So it's dark, edgy underground cult days were maybe gone. And, and yeah. Mm-hmm. And so now there's a cult, there's a cool underground thing that nobody knows. I know there's like a thing in Chicago called like the shit show or something, you know, and there's a lot of cool stuff. But uh, once you're talking about it in present tense, it's I think that edge maybe loses a little bit of its luster. So, so you know, something cool will come up and we'll, you know, that'll make a lot of money and then close and then we'll do a documentary about them in, in 30 years. Yeah, I mean, you have <laughs> yeah. you have second like out here in LA, you had Groundlings and Second City came along, then IO, then then UCB, and it's all communities and they're all cross-pollinated and the original UCB came out of the IO and Second City in Chicago. So, so people will figure out and create something new, but it's a you know, rightly so, you mourn for the people who don't have a place to go that was their that was their cheers for lack of a better word. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, no one's found a way to kill improv yet. We're working on it, but um, <laughs> no one's figured out how to how to murder it yet. Yeah. So. I may never die. I did a. Sh- I started doing an improv show in Chicago, and we were going to do a monthly show. And just as this all hit, which is something that has made me really sad, and it was my friend Sarah Shockey who does, uh, who's a really great improviser out of Chicago, and it was called Sarah Shockey teaches Colt Cabana to, to do improv. <laughs> And because I, I've, I've I've taken some improv classes and I've done improv before, but I get really like there's so much anxiety. And so now the rules were like I was able to stop and ask questions at any time during the show Ooh, because I, I didn't it. understand improv and I didn't understand. And like I was and like sometimes like my brain has been hit too many times with a chair to understand where the scenes are going. And, <laughs> and so my inner monologue was allowed to pop out and. Because of that, it made for such a really weird, fun show. And I was looking forward to kind of like building that as a monthly show. And then this all went down. So um, so improv is not dead. I'm personally bringing it back. Thank goodness. <laughs> what a gift. Thank you for your work. Thank what a you. gift. <laughs> Speaking of which, like we don't know how long this will last. Obviously, even if people started going back to work in June, the large large gatherings probably aren't happening until next spring, next summer. Well, the Insane Clown Posse closed those large gatherings. That's right. It, the ICP shut it down. Thank you right. to Violent J. Shaggy Too Dope, you're all right, but on thin ice with me. <laughs> Would, do you, are there a lot of discussions of what the long-term plans are in AEW or your, you personally? Do you have like a look at, all right, well, if I have, if you have, say, a year to really do, you know, whatever else you want outside of wrestling – that you can produce digitally, at least. Do you do you think about that, or is it just, hey, we're still continuing to go and tape, and you know, yeah, it's step it's step by step right now because right. you know everything's changing. I don't know, you know, I know just as much as you do. I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I'm doing a lot of weird like Instagram live stuff, and I've been doing Would You Rather's on my um, on my YouTube and stuff, and um, just recently I've 
I've started to think about doing kind of some podcasts from home, which I never wanted to do. And I think, you know, Max Fun is almost based on that is going into that little box and, you know, making sure you're in person. Mm-hmm. So, but now I guess almost we have to. So it's kind of about getting the best audio quality. Um, so I don't, you know, I'm not too hunkered down on that. I'm not like saying to my brain, like, think of stuff, be creative. I'm just kind of letting it come to me as it comes and then putting it out in the world. And I will continue to do that. I have a question um, that comes from our Facebook group, actually, our Delightful Tights and Fights Facebook uh, community. Uh, A lot of them have been talking about Dark Side of the Ring now that season two is back uh, and had been asking if we had all been watching that. And I have been watching that. And I am curious as to know if you have been watching that. Well, see, Hal asked if I've been watching wrestling, but and and not as much. But this stuff, this is my favorite. I love documentary. I love the history. I love the past. So, uh, you guys can feel free to chat around it. But I've I've been watching it, and I and I love it. I think it's great. Yeah, it's it's been interesting for me to watch it as someone who has, like, maybe like not an intensive knowledge, but as probably more than a passing knowledge. The most people um of watching wrestling and then watching it with my husband who is a really new wrestling fan who is literally eyes glued to every (laughs) moment it was like how did this shit happen and i'm like no i know i know and it's been wild to watch it with someone who didn't know any of the backstory or any of it can we go around and ask like what's the wildest thing that everyone's taken away if they've watched it like that they didn't know i'm trying to think what yeah well i think the snooker stuff was at least the one like i knew a bunch of that and then that was the one i think that i had the most people who do not know wrestling Mm. were sending me like or asking me questions about it yeah mostly the money part um so yeah i would say that's probably like the most um, I don't know, you know, not necessarily shocking, but like stuff that I didn't necessarily know. And then the thing that really uh, connected with non-wrestling fans who, because everyone, like, I feel like that's, I mean, I, I met Colt, I definitely imagine. But for me, I wind up being the person where people are like, what is a Firefly Funhouse and what is this thing I just watched? <laughs> um, that I start getting like texts and like frantic emails of people trying to understand what they're watching and so that was the one that i think really connected people with like uh how much money um what happened so i'd say probably that was that when they paid off jimmy snooker is that what you mean the payoff the payoff yeah yeah you know for i i what i love about these is how it's the, the the people talking in the documentaries some of them are protective and they don't want to say too much like maybe don morocco was just like yeah i don't know but there's some people in these talking head documentaries that are happy to talk about everything. It's just a matter about like no one thought to get them on camera. And so in the Jimmy yeah. Snuka one, I think it was um, uh, Tonga Kid who was just like, oh, yeah, I was in the car when Nancy died that day. Oh. And everyone was like, wait, what? Like no one knew that information. <laughs> oh, God. But like maybe no one asked him or no, just no one got that on record. And it's crazy that these guys finally got somebody to just get it get it on record and there is a skill to those uh, i think it's evan and and i forget the other guy's name but there's a skill to making somebody so comfortable where that information mm. and I, you know i think i know it a little bit from years of podcasting with people is like getting someone so comfortable where you just forget there's a camera and you let out this information that everyone needs to know and then there's a giddiness of like being the director being like oh my god we got that but play it cool don't act like it's anything big just keep on going and we'll we'll that'll be heaven in the in the edit bay you know yeah. yeah i really enjoyed season two i enjoyed season one but i think season two has been really i feel like they, obviously they've made bolder moves they've told darker stories or not necessarily darker, but you know the big stories that everyone i don't want to make light of stuff that was 
obviously intensely fucked up and terrible. But even like yeah. watching the Benoit episodes with literally Jeff was like, oh, that's that guy that died, right? And it's like, oh, you should settle down, maybe pour a drink <laughs> and uh, let's take two hours out of your life to teach you some stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm seeing it all laid out. I think they just do such a good job of laying it out in a very simple to understand, but still affecting way that in no way makes light of anything. The new Jack, I think what's crazy is it's all about these awful people and everyone's like, did you see the new Jack episode? And then like new Jack's on Instagram. Now he's got like new fame and he's just like, <laughs> look at me. I'm the best. But it was like, no new Jack. It was about you trying to murder people in the ring. <laughs> I come out with the weapons, dive on shit. It's like blood and guts every goddamn night. The line in wrestling between cooperation and physical assault is blurred. He fucked some people's lives up. What I'm gonna do to him, people gonna be talking about this 10 years from now. He's stabbing his mother. Ooh. Well, it's been 20 years and we still talking about it. I mean, you said you watched Tiger King, right? So it's like Jeff Lowe being like, come and hang right. out with me and my tigers. It's like, no, motherfucker, you're the worst uh, one. You're yes, exactly. the worst one. And he is now, yeah, using that to become Instagram famous with his hot yes. nanny. I am appalled. I, I will not make this a Tiger King episode. I'm sorry. But I have so much to say, even now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Very similar was, lives, I think. Yeah. Was the New Jack, the, was that the most shocking for you, Cold? Or what was like your... No, I knew all that. I knew all of those stories. I, I was just a huge New Jack fan. And I was... Earwolf had a thing called Howl, and then they moved it to Stitcher Premium. And they paid me to do this series called Wrestling Fringe, where I talk about just weird things in wrestling. Just to give you a, a glimpse, like I talked about Giant Gonzalez, who was a seven foot eight wrestler, who's a basketball player. And I talked mm-hmm. about Maurice Tillette, who was the French angel who had agrimeglia like Andre the Giant, but it went sideways instead of he he's the one who has that plaster head that uh, the death mask, as a lot of people know. Mm-hmm. And I kept on wanting to do another season. But uh, those people at Stitcher, they got I they got uh too big for their britches, and I'm mm-hmm. not part of the team anymore. Uh, go maximum fun is what I say. <laughs> That's right. Uh, <laughs> they wouldn't light another season, but the mass transit incident is one I wanted to do with because I, I was always just kind of enamored with it, that it happened, that it was a thing. And, you know, they covered it back then, but, you know, now no one has really, it's been just kind of a while and people forgot about it. And there's a whole new generation who wouldn't know who I wanted to bring that attention to. But, I mean, they killed anything I would ever do. I'm just gonna let that pitch settle so that Jesse definitely yeah. hears it. I'm just yeah. gonna let that gonna let that live and breathe. There's room for more wrestling on Maximum Fun, Jesse. This is a subliminal. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not. Stop it. I am. I'm saying it. I know you're not. I'm saying it. I'm saying it out loud. Put your punum away and get this show on the network for goodness sakes, Jesse. Lindsay, is there more wrestling you want to talk about from this week? Is there anything I mean, I like you? a bunch of it i talked about some of it with our listeners um some of it was good (laughs) which is like the best thing you can say um i did pleased to say really enjoyed aew this week it was really fun there were some really fun matches i loved cody's promo at the opening of the show complacency that's a dirty word in wrestling ironically it is the ally of the top guy because those who are complacent and those who are content to just collect a check they just become bodies they become flesh to pound and none of these men are that all of these men could be champions 
will can be defined as a deliberate or fixed desire or intention. There's plenty of will in this tournament. Now we find out who has enough of it. I think he just does such good work of making things feel important. And he's making this TNT champion feel so important. Oh, thanks. Thanks for rubbing it in. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> I was like, you could put me on the phone with your mother and we'll have a chat about, about why yeah. this is not the time. She doesn't want you to get it now. She wants to get it when she can be in the crowd and celebrate uh, and tell everyone. She was it. She goes, that boy was so big, that Lance Archer. <laughs> he is a big boy. He is a big boy. But yeah, he's. I, I just thought that promo was excellent. I, I think... AEW just shines at doing those moments of those sketches of those vignettes or whatever we want to call it, the the filmed sections. They're just head and shoulders above anyone else that might be trying to do it. Can I ask a question for everybody? Mm. Mm. What has been like the most cringy stuff that has come out of these empty arena things for both Impact, WWE, AEW? That's just like that does not work that 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 the companies are still trying to do. Uh, all the Gronkowski stuff was <laughs> so bad. He hates so I, I really like in comparing the the shows. I, I love NXT. the The two shows I that I that are can't miss for me are AEW and NXT. I like those are the shows yeah. I want. I want to actively watch. I I follow and keep up with everything else. I liked NXT's empty arena stuff, but what I really liked the AEW is when there are a few like having a few people at ringside. And I know it's gotten that that crowd has gotten smaller out of necessity. But early on, when you had MJF taking bets on people, like it just added everything furthered storylines and it made it feel intentional, which mm. which I really liked. The 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 doing WrestleMania in an empty stadium, which or an empty performance center, which they had to do. There was a lot that I liked in it, but I felt like the idea of a hope, like they could have thrown out. This idea of Gronkowski being on camera talking into a microphone because, number one, I don't like the Patriots. And I know he's a buccaneer now, but uh, also I just – he that wasn't it for me. It just felt like here's a celebrity for the sake of having a celebrity that that didn't add anything. And it's just like all the 24-7 stuff, it just none of it landed for me and felt awkward. And like this would work if you had a stadium of people and even half of them were really into it. Yeah. I think it's yeah, – oh, Go, Daniel. Uh, Oh, no, no, you go. No, no go, go. it was so polite. You go. I've been talking. You talk. <laughs> well, no, uh, for me, it was the, just the beginning of both days of WrestleMania when you have Stephanie come out and she's like very serious. Like, we just want to make sure that we're bringing the best show for the fans. And she's got like, y'all, WrestleMania was scheduled and you're doing WrestleMania and that's awesome. But I think anything right now where it's like in these trying times, like I'm not even commercials that are like, you know, Toyota during these trying times. It's like, shut up. Like, I'm not buying a car right now. I'm in the house. So... I guess for me, that's been some of the most cringy stuff where it's like, in these trying times, we just want to make sure that we're still providing you with entertainment because that's what the fans deserve. And it's like, just do the show. I don't need a PSA before two nights of WrestleMania. Also, we know they don't care about trying times. It's just about making their quota. Yeah, They're trying to make money. uh, In these trying times when we're trying not to be in breach of contract to Fox, please enjoy this empty arena show. It's like, let's just In these trying times where we fired 150 of our employees. Yep. Yeah, I just... For me, it's, I mean, apart from all of that, which is very accurate and true, and the, the, also the refusal to acknowledge any of it and just be like, unprecedented times, trying times, current situation. Fuck off. We all know there is not a human alive who thinks this is just 
a blip. I don't know. I, to me, it works when the people in the ring make it work. And we have talked about this a couple of times about how there are certain wrestlers who play to the back of the room and play very big. And they tend to be the bigger wrestlers. And they're the people who haven't spent a ton of time on the indies and they don't know how to connect in a more intimate way. And when you have wrestlers who are used to being in a smaller room, used to working, especially wrestlers who have worked together a ton and they have that mm. chemistry anyway, they can do anything. You, They can make it sing. It's like they don't need anyone to externally validate their performance as opposed to the bigger guys who are just going to stand there and go, Rah! and you're like, oh, no one... No one heard that or gave a shit. So maybe See, do Lindsay, something else. I, as a wrestler, play to the back of the room, but I do it in a comic sense where all my stuff bombs to the crowd and I'm just trying to make the wrestlers laugh. So <laughs> Yeah, there you go. But that, that's, <laughs> you yeah, I immediately took it in the comedy because when you're talking about stand-up and comedy and stuff, you say play to the back of the room. That just means that you're playing to like the other people that you're working with because you know that the audience doesn't care. Also, right. um, entrances can be real hard right now for me. Um, yes, wait. I know that like, that's what people have to do, and that's, but it's also like, whew, this does not work without cheers. Danielle, that's something I've had a problem with, so maybe you can teach me. I, I've done my entrance, and I just feel real weird about it, and I kind of don't know what to do. Can you help me? See, I don't know either because the whole point of the entrance is, again, it's like you're hyping up the crowd. Like, hey, I'm here. Like, you know, the, the music hits, the crowd goes wild and they start cheering or and, and you know, if you've got chance, they do chance and you come out and like it, you're you're spreading your energy like throughout the whole um, audience. And so it does feel a little like. I, and, and I don't want people to give up because that also would feel like weird for for them because I know it's also part of the entrance is it also gets you hype. But it is a little like, who gave this kid so much caffeine? We're all just kind of <laughs> hanging out. Right. But did you love it when, when Bailey and Sasha did it? Because then it's I a did. heel move. And I yeah. love that they're pretending to try and get a response out of a crowd that isn't there. Like I thought Bailey and Sasha did such a good job of that when they were trying to talk to an invisible crowd because they knew yeah. the own crowd wasn't there. It was like multi-layered of bullshit and, and snarkiness. But yeah, when it's just people who just come out and go, yay, look, it's me. You're like, oh, there's nobody there though. It's just like with comedy because like I've done a couple of like weird Zoom stand-up shows and they work, but it's like you have to acknowledge what's happening right now because that's kind of the way that stand-up works. And I feel like that's also the way that wrestling works, but I've obviously like not everyone's got the skill set or the, the desired to even like kind of do a wink at the fact that it's like, hey, there's really no one here. So I don't I don't know what the solve for that is because I uh, have no back and therefore do not wrestle. So <laughs> I, I have a pitch. Okay. Which is um, I, okay. Hell yes. I okay. Great, you. great. 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 <laughs> yeah. I was nervous. I didn't think I was going to get called on. So uh, I love the bit of trying to start a chant and the crowd's not there. So this would be this would be over several entrances to have it. Like to to play it big Ooh. at first and then realize An there's no crowd and then slowly arc. like, yeah, like coming out with the hope that maybe somebody is out there each time until eventually it's just you're just Charlie Brown in the Christmas <laughs> special walking down to the ring. So that might not work in the moment, but the yeah. the gift, the gift that I'm going to have. That's it. And that's what we all know wrestling is, is just I'm wrestling for gifts here. You're wrestling for gifts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Something with that. Something where the the you're, the toll of not having the crowd there starts to wear on you. And then a little bubble of my mom pops up going, come on, Colt. We believe in you. I'm you cheering for you. <laughs> Tuck your punum and get to work. 
Hey, Colt, I have a, a question. Who's that? Who's speaking? <laughs> I'm sorry, we muted him. As a, have you, like with all the comedians and the improv groups kind of holding shows over Zoom, has there been any discussion about wrestlers having matches over Zoom where an audience um, of people were just on a computer? No. <laughs> Not even amongst yourself in your head? You know that the NPR Tiny Desk series? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I've always wanted to do NPR Tiny D- Tiny Wrestling Desk series, <laughs> where I wrestle on a I wrestle with somebody on just a little desk and, and a green screen with the with the NPR thing behind us. So maybe that'll now that'll be time. Now is the time. Yeah, let that happen, oh, please. I had a I question about talking punims, um, because like I don't know if you've noticed, but we've noticed. There's been less talking of that recently. It seems I, I like just it is it is it right? is out of control. Right. I just Talk. feel like it's been it's it's time to shine lately, and there's been much less talking, much more visible peen. Uh, and has wow. that been a conversation? In well, the where are the dance belts? Or... Is what we're asking. <laughs> where are the dance belts? This is a conversation that we have often. It's um, something that the best friends talk about a lot. It's something so that we it... talk about a lot. So this makes me yeah. very happy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So as a wrestler, I always want it to look like I have no peen. I'm a Ken doll. It's not even there. It's been chopped off. People don't even <laughs> think about it, right? That's right. how we were all raised. So you want. I'm I'm always going a down tuck into a Kendall mm-hmm. bulge, mm. um, and uh, un- unlike you know we always talk about the the two the two ones that I remember, and I'm sorry that now this conversation has gone to this, but Lindsay has brought it up. Oh no, no this, this is, this is this our podcast. Just yeah. embrace it, lean in. Is is Mr. Perfect and Jimmy Snuka always had the the point? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mr. Perfect, uh, SummerSlam '91. It was the first time as a small child. I was like, what the. <laughs> fuck is this and i fully remember my 16 year old brother being like get her out the room get her out the room get her out the room because he fully had a semi at the end of the match in the interview and it's like you just lost the belt and you're doing your post-match interview with a chub and i am 11 and going like i i have questions and now look where we are now at 39 it's, asking that question of a professional wrestler i just know it, it's valid it's the equivalent of it's the equivalent of no bra of like you can kind of see it through and you're a little turned on but you know you shouldn't there's be doing... a reason rachel didn't wear a bra for the first four seasons of friends you know and yep. it's the same question <laughs> yes so i i didn't know that this is becoming a new thing i mean we all know finn balor what he's doing but i feel he does yeah. that on purpose he's leading oh, he the charge be... he's leading yeah. the charge he knows <laughs> um but for me i'm always a tucker i don't want it seen i don't want people to think of me sexually at all um but that's just me, so uh, I'll be on the lookout now for this new generation. I just want to yeah. know if it's a conversation that's been had or if it's it is just a, a happenstance, a happy I, happenstance. Lindsay, <laughs> I point it out all the time to anybody <laughs> in the locker room. I'm like, oh, we're going to the left today. That's kind of a statement I've made. We may need to get you in weekly to review the visible penises sure. that we yeah. have enjoyed visible in the penis line. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned the best friend. Like, are they like, yeah, we do it on purpose. Like, I'm doing it on purpose because I want, like, has anybody ever, have you ever been like, why, why wouldn't you tuck it? It just seems like from a safety perspective. Like, isn't Some it people safer just, too? Well, so the theory is always Bret Hart had, had it best. Mm-hmm. And this is not my, this is the best friend's theory because he had so many layers 
that the layers build it up. You know, he had the the singlet, he had the trunks, he had the under trunks. You got to imagine he had a thong on. So that's at least mm-hmm. four layers. There could be more. We don't know. He didn't write about it in his book, which were you know he wrote about everything in this book. So, <laughs> oh, that's um, the he's next. He's saving book. it for the next one. There we go. Right. <laughs> so um, yes, like we're all conscious of it. A lot of us, the best friends, myself, mm-hmm. and we we don't want anything showing. But so, like I said, some people just don't care. It's not something they think about, and I. It's mind blowing to me, but some people. Aren't. I think it is something they think about. I think, I think that they want to trending. They think yeah. about I think that they want the fact that their chub is showing trending. Well, did you guys talk about wrestling? Hashtag wrestling after dark on this podcast. Well, we didn't talk about it on the podcast, but Danielle and I have had some conversations. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> some side convos. <laughs> We've been real busy the last couple of weeks on this podcast, and unfortunately, we haven't had time. Um, but it is a conversation that has well, been occurring. That- that was a hashtag, and then everyone just started getting naked on Twitter at 1 a.m. in the morning and just thought that it wouldn't be there the next day, and it was. Yeah, it turns out when you put a picture of yourself on Twitter, uh, people save it, it <laughs> even if you delete it. Right. Yeah. You just save it's the internet, get, just the internet yeah, in general. It, it's going to get saved. Yeah. So maybe that is the, the Snapchat generation of wrestlers. And, I, you know, I'm an AIM generation. So, <laughs> Well, and it's also I, I don't think it started with uh, Faye Jackson's gray sweatpants challenge. But I do. I did. There was a lot of dick print on the timeline um, of people just being like, this is what I would have brought to the gray sweatpants challenge. So, you know. Uh, uh, it was very good of her to, to offer that out there. I mean, I just feel like if we had had the gray sweatpants challenge, maybe it would have, for want of a better term, aired all of this out and everyone would have had their dick print chance and then it would have been over. But since it was stifled, there's a lot of people with a lot of frustrated dick prints right now. Yeah, mm-hmm. sometimes I wonder what my carbon dick print will be. <laughs> yeah. You do have to think about the planet. You do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We should get on to Al Gore about that. I feel like he would definitely have some strong feelings. He gets on a scissor lift and just points at dick, at like dick outlines. This one here is too big. A tree's gonna die. Is that anyway. Andre the Giant? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Anybody <Yep>. want a peanut? It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, terrible. We haven't even given you a chance to do JR this week. I feel dreadful about the whole thing. I know. And we're talking I mean, about dicks. I mean, it just I mean, feels wrong. Cult. Can we talk about the Blue Chew ads in the middle of commentary? <laughs> it's a problem. It's a, this guy. I mean, he might as well just have have a dick bulge because that's all he talks about. It feels like, like I can't. Once he says, when he's like, "All right, let me get one of those blue shoes," and then I I lose. I don't know what's happening. I I enter like a fugue state. I say good for him. He's <laughs> he's entered the grandpa state of life where he just doesn't care. Yeah. Like, hey, you're on national television. Like, I you know as much like. I like to just kind of like be free and, and like I, I have a big censorship in my head and I know like I know not even to promote my own coltmerch.com wink <laughs> um, you know on when I was doing commentary or even on YouTube show like so, you know I think to myself like now's not the time to promote your own stuff you know now's the time to promote like AEW and talk about it and I have that inner monologue in my head but it's kind of cool that he just doesn't, and he he couldn't care less. He doesn't censor himself, whatever, and no one's there to be like, Jim, stop. You know, that's almost the cooler point is like, back, you know, there would be a Vince McMahon who's been like, you can't talk about Blue Chew, and now everyone's just like, yeah, whatever you want to talk about, go for it. Was that Andre the Giant, by the way? Yes, thank you. <laughs> My favorite, uh, I love JR's the early days of his podcast where he... 
did not have a sponsorship with Sonic, but would plug them in the hopes that they would pay him later. Yeah, you, every great. episode, you'd be like, I, I passed a Sonic on the way here, and I had a a, a diet, a peach iced tea diet. And they're not sponsored, but they sure should be. Like the, like the he, Sonic executives were like, you know, I was listening to the JR podcast, yeah. and I can't believe we're not putting money into that. See, he and now that, we get to hear about how it worked. Yeah. yeah, now we get to hear about how hard his dick is. So <laughs> it's so hard a cat could scratch it. I, yeah. I, that's what I've learned. That's what I've learned from the JR podcast. Oh god, this sounds like a short, a short. What is it called? A short improv game? Uh, a short, oh, yeah, a short, short form, form. improv yeah. game. Yeah. How hard is JR's dick? <laughs> Let's all form a line, and we'll take you. Just step up when you have the idea. We'll step up and we'll say it. That's what, what, where's the crowd he going? Said. It's so as someone who owns cats, it was very upsetting the fact that anyone could ever how he would know that his dick was so hard a cat could scratch it. I'm like, that's not a, a quantification of hardness that I'm comfortable knowing about. But that's just because I own cats. Um I'm sorry I brought the podcast to this place, but I'm not really. Why? So this is this is where we live. <laughs> Be in the buck with me, Lindsay. This is where <laughs> we live. Cult. As uh, as a wise man once said. Don't think twice. Or don't think. I don't know. <laughs> so before we man. wrap this segment up, I, I, I want to ask, what is the biggest thing you miss outside of, of wrestling from pre-quarantine life? Is there some place you want to go or something that you've realized that you've taken for granted? Or Well, this isn't a comedy answer, but the, the gym. Yeah. Mm. And what I've realized about myself is I've never wanted to work out I don't enjoy working out, um, but I know I have to for my job. And I, I, I'm good about going to the gym and doing the work, but like, I'm not good about just getting on the floor and doing push-ups. I refuse to do it for some reason. And so, like, you know, it's kind of not that my body's withered away, but I've definitely noticed a change, and it kind of makes me a little sad. And I wasn't, you know, some of these wrestlers have gyms in their garage, and like, I had to go on Craigslist and buy one weight one singular dumbbell mm. for 90 bucks and i'm like i'm not spending any more than that and so my sad home gym is very sad and i i just wish i could go back and work out yeah uh well if you have any thoughts on home workouts you can suggest them on uh on facebook you can do it on twitter instagram and discord via the links in our show notes don't don't post it and, on discord please and also know that i, I just want to do it from my couch so if there's any couch exercises, yeah oh yeah mm. if you know couch exercises share it you can find all the links in our show notes do it there we'll be back after this with some things from the wrestling world that you should know about this is tights and fights Hey, podcast fan, we have a quick favor to ask. We'd like to get a better idea of who you are and what you care about. So if you have a couple moments to spare, go to MaximumFun.org slash ad survey. There, we've got a short anonymous survey that won't take any more than 10 minutes to fill out. Plus, if you finish it, you'll get a 10% discount on our merch at the MaxFun store. MaxFun shows have always relied on support from our members and always will. The survey will help keep the few ads we do run relevant and interesting for you. Again, that's MaximumFun.org slash ad survey, all one word. And thanks for your help. Welcome back to Tights and Fights. I'm Hal Lublin, and I'm joined today by... Danielle Radford. And... Lindsay Galk. And... Colt. 
Quarantine Cabana. <laughs> <laughs> this week, we want to end the show by sharing some of the joy of wrestling with you. This is The Three Count. Colt, what would you like to put over? Well, I know you told me just one, but I brought one for each uh, platform. Oh. Nice. Is that we okay? We routinely have Please. 17 each, so yes. shoot. Okay. <laughs> yes. Uh, I have Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and a podcast. Oh. Um, I do not have TikTok because no wrestlers besides me know how to use TikTok correctly. <laughs> so uh, feel free to go to my TikTok at Colt Cabana. But um, which one do you guys want to hear first? It's up to you. Do it at random, whatever okay. you have, however you had it written. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, so uh, podcast. My my friends Marty Derosa and Sarah Shockey, who I talked about Sarah before. She does. Um, uh, she's a great improviser at Chicago. They have a, a a very fun, silly podcast. They're two lovers, two friends who love wrestling, um, and they kind of do characters. It's almost like comedy Bang Bang meets um, a, a wrestling chat show. So. Uh, they go in and out of characters and kind of talk about the wrestling week and they're really fun and it's not too much like snarkiness about like what people should and shouldn't have done. It's much like yourselves. Very just a fun comedy wrestling podcast. Um, YouTube, my two friends, Matt Cardona and, and uh, Brian Myers, Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins just got fired from the WWE. Mm-hmm. They uh, they have put together almost their own little empire around wrestling figures and so it's called the Major Wrestling Figure Podcast, and it's on. It's a regular podcast, but it's also a YouTube channel. And I just did their live uh, show, and uh, I love anything that people, that the people doing it are totally dedicated to and have a love for. And these two nerds love wrestling <laughs> figures more than anybody alive, <laughs> and it's so crazy. Also, how much money Zack Ryder has spent on figures alone. It's over a million dollars, I'm pretty sure, at this point. Wow. Um, and then Twitter, there's a Twitter handle called the Rest- at Wrestling Arcade. I don't know if you guys have ever seen this one. No. Where uh, this fan, he takes... Um, <gasps> oh, yeah, 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 I follow them, yeah. Yeah, he takes old moments in wrestling history and he makes them into, like, Nintendo arcade scenes. And <laughs> also, when he doesn't do the scenes, he also has, like, a really fun, nostalgic uh, Twitter account, and, and I really enjoy it. And then Instagram, there's a handle called Ham and Eggers, which is something I think Bobby Heenan or uh, Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan used to talk about, which a Ham and Eggers is kind of like the enhancement wrestler. And so all it is is just picture of the loot, you know, the the scrubs of the matches over the years. Hmm. Um, and it's just fun to see all the old names. And I've been up there, you know, when I've been losing in WWE, but just Ham and Eggers on Instagram for all your wrestling scrubs of the 70s, 80s, 90s and today. Awesome. Love it. Danielle, what you got? Just still continuing from last week with the Drake Maverick love, doing real good work. Obviously, he did a great job last week of just being really honest and uh, turning that into a way to sell himself and sell the match, which was amazing. Did a great showing this week. I did think it was a little weird for the official NXT Twitter to be like, where does Drake Maverick go from here? I don't know. Y'all fired him. Um, So I don't know how much of this is real and how much of it is not. But either way, I want to continue shining some because he did he he did some great work. And I know that it's going to pay off for him because anyone who doesn't try to scoop him up after this is real silly, especially just after that tweet. It was like, is this real? Is it not real? I don't know. Um, I kind of hope it is uh, not real at this point if NXT official Twitter is going to be like well what's next for him I don't know why don't you give him a job you can give him his job back probably so definitely 
Yeah. Not probably. They have the money. Yeah, you have the money. You have all of the money. So yeah, that's that's what I'm putting over. All right, Lindsay. Um, I had like seven things because there's been loads of good things, but uh, I mostly wanted to put over um, Orange Crush, which I'm sure you guys have probably <laughs> come across already. But it is a journal of art and wrestling uh, made by this art guy in New York. Um, and uh, it has Joe Janella on the front cover. It's it's a basically a very fancy independent magazine that's all about the melding of the worlds of art and wrestling. And um, massive one of those things where a ton of people message me. I'm like, oh my god, have you heard of this? Because it's the people that think it's dumb that I like wrestling, but then suddenly saw a cool version of it, and they were like, oh my god, it turns out it might be cool. And I'm like, I know, right? Um, I haven't got it yet. I haven't read it yet, but it looks really interesting. I am curious to see it. It's always fun to see someone doing something new in the space. Um, and that was what I was going to put over. Then I saw Will Ospreay tweet that he got drunk watching Camp Rock and trying to do the splits. Yeah. And I haven't always been his biggest fan, but I'm like, he got drunk watching Camp Rock trying to do the splits. Uh, and I enjoyed that. Thank you for putting that out there for people to enjoy. And then I also, because I cannot stop, I have to thank uh, all the wrestlers on Twitter who are so bored that they are replying to people's tweets, including <laughs> um, my two new best friends, The Rock, and also Drew McIntyre, who is, is now fully leaning into the idea that his new t-shirt looks like a romance novel cover. And I tweeted at him to say that I would hook him up with that romance novel if he needed it. And he replied to it and said, your shout WWE shop. So we're now just waiting for <laughs> WWE shop to see if they're going to commission me to write a Drew McIntyre romance novel, which just seems like a, a thing we should do. Lindsay, can you please do it in his voice, what he said to you? Oh, oh no, yeah. I can't. My uncle's Scottish and I'd be murdered. And yes, Hal, that was Andre the Giant. I was making sure. I just wanted to be sure. But yeah, strangely enough, WWE, because you know we we all know they're real short on money right now, have not reached out to me um, to ask me to write this novel. But I just think it's it's something that clearly should happen. Um, So if you want that, let let me know. Uh, I'm gonna put over a, a fun wrestling Twitter account. Which is the Subway WWE Experience. That's uh, WWE Subway is the handle. And basically they take all the things you experience in a subway and then explain it with a WWE GIF. And it's I follow that one and yeah. I love it. It's yeah. really funny. Check it out. Well, that does it for this episode of Tights and Fights. This week, your hosts were Colt Cabana, Daniel Radford, and Lindsay Kelk along with me, Hal Loveland. Colt, please, number one, thank you for coming back on of the show. Of course. And please plug it. Give everybody the plugs. Tell them where they should be going and and and, and etc. Oh, this is a long list. But Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Colt Cabana. I have been putting a lot of stuff up on my Patreon. Patreon slash Colt Cabana. I put a lot of stuff up, but I kind of put previews on all my socials for it. And then, so I, I do have a lot of stuff I'm putting on my YouTube. I've been doing these Instagram lives and then collecting them all and chopping them up and doing putting the best parts of me talking to mm-hmm. kids and then making little kids talk to their parents who don't know who I am. Uh, that's really fun for me. <laughs> um, I have a merch store which has everything but my t-shirts, coltmerch.com. My t-shirts are prowrestlingtees.com. And I do have a podcast, The Art of Wrestling, where I sit down and talk to people in the world of wrestling for years. I did that for eight years. I stopped and started doing a documentary-style series, and now I'm back to the talks in season form. And my last season had the stars like Wade Barrett, 
Damien Sandow, and uh, the weirdo himself, Will Ospreay. So uh, please uh, find that where you find podcasts. And uh, thank you very much. Awesome. Danielle, anything you want to plug? Um, as per usual, keep watching Honest Trailers. Um, and then, yeah, I, I, I know you guys are asking about Great Debate Stuff, which is the show, uh, the sci-fi show. Uh, when I get details, you will get details. Um, uh, and then I will, yeah, I'll let you guys uh, know when that happens. Yay, I wrote TV. That sounds like a good song. Like, when I get details, you get details. <laughs> that is my entrance music. Yeah, yeah there you go. Oh, you're getting rid of down with the sickness? Well, no, you still got to put a ooh wah, ah, ah, like right yeah. before it. Is the, is the trick. Lindsay? Because I'm down with the details. <laughs> I wrote books. I've written books that aren't romance novels starring Drew McIntyre. Because, I mean, come on. Yeah, um, I'd like more than four people to read them. But I've written books, and you can order them uh, or get them from your library or get them on like Kindle Unlimited if you aren't in a position to be buying books right now. But I have a bunch of books. Please read them and don't tell me if you don't like them. But enjoy. <laughs> All right. Uh, I got we got this with Mark and Hallie. You can hear uh, all three of the of my co-hosts on episodes of their very own helping us decide stuff that is still going strong and we're doing live streams, so follow we got this tweets to find out what that's happening. Good morning, Night Vale, still going as well. And uh, the Thrilling Adventure Hour is back doing remote shows. We have one the same day this podcast is released at 2 p.m. Pacific time. We've got all the Work Juice players, plus Bob Odenkirk and Ray Seahorn and John Ross Bowie and Cedric Yarborough are going to be on that. If you can't make the live show, that is okay. We will make the, the video available later, and all proceeds go to food banks in cities like Chicago, L.A., New York, Seattle, New Orleans, uh, Detroit, and more. So check that out at ThrillingADV on Twitter. Folks, I have bad news. Our producer, Julian Burrell, has lost his Mario Kart undefeated streak. So congratulations to Roosevelt for the W. What, did he figure out how you were hacking your Nintendo Switch? How you cheated to win all those games? Roosevelt, it was an honor. You got screwed out of a couple of races that, that I won, so I was very happy that you got to take a Grand Prix. So I hope you had a lot of fun, because I certainly did as well. Finally. What is this, 1834? <laughs> Roosevelt always winning? <laughs> <laughs> That, that was my best Andy Kindler impression. Very good. Like <laughs> Senior producer of Maximum Fun is Laura Swisher. We're gonna do. We're doing this now a Swisher thing. <laughs> Mike Eagle is the voice behind our theme music, so we're putting him over for that. Keep up with us all week long on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and also Discord. Links to all of those are in our show notes. And if you love what we do, remember to hit those five stars on Apple Podcasts and share us with all your friends. Finally, thank you so much to the Maximum Fun member who have a portion of their monthly recurring contribution. Keep the lights on while we're doing this podcast. Even though we're not in the studio, we're keeping it coming because of you. And if you want to wear tights and fights on your body, you can. We have a t-shirt. You can make that happen. Nobody will ask you about it because you're in your home, but hey, it's a good conversation to have with a plant. We'll be back next week for even more, you guessed it, wrestling. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture Artist owned Audience supported